good morning, everybody. Glad that you're here. I haven't met you before. My name is Grant. Let me introduce Pastor Josh Lease, our high school director, Katie Hjort, and our young adults pastor, Jake Rusa. I'm glad to be here with a group of people. Here's a hard thing for me to wrap my head around. I'm old enough to be all of their dads. <laughs> I'm starting to feel like the old guy. You know, this is a family table, but uh, let's be honest, sometimes the generation sitting at the same table can be a bit of a challenge. The older generation can sometimes have this attitude like, you know, if I could just get these kids to listen to me and straighten them out, everything would be fine. The younger generation is going, look at the mess you've left us with. Why would I listen to you? And that can create tension. And what's interesting is the Bible actually speaks to it. 2 Timothy chapter 2 talks about taking what you know and imparting it to the next generation. The Titus chapter 2 talks about the older generation teaching the younger generation. And the Bible also says in 1 Timothy, don't let anyone look down on your young, because, you because you're young, but set an example in impurity and in speech, in passion. So sometimes the family table can be a little bit messy, and that's why I invited my friends to come and hang out with me for just a little bit, because we're going to talk about making space at the table for the next generation because it's a part of the conversation that we need to have so katie tell me um just uh, this is the other thing they don't know what we're doing we're just kind of rolling with a conversation here so you can pray with them because they're like what's coming next <laughs> katie what why are you so passionate about the next generation why do you do what you do that is a very good question um i this might sound cheesy, but I so actively see Jesus with them. And what I mean is that they are open and willing to hear what we have to say. And they might not respond right away. You know, you say something to them or you explain something to them and they'll process it for a while. But what's exciting is that they're willing to wrestle with it and they're willing to hear us and to sit in that with us. Um, it has been a wonderful experience to be able to be at HSU, our high school ministries on Sundays, and then also get to go to Go Camp and see the middle schoolers and the high schoolers worshiping together. Yeah. I am amazed every single time I see it because they are actively seeking Jesus, and I think that we don't give them enough credit. I think that we can look at them and think, oh, look at all these things that they're doing, or they're not actively following Jesus, but when they are put in a situation where they get to see him, I can see that they are seeking him and they're asking the right questions. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And I think sometimes we often forget about this. We have ageism creeps in even when we look at the disciples because we like to put them somewhere in their late 30s to early 40s because it just works better for us. And we forget the fact that most of the disciples would have been somewhere between the ages of 15 and 21. And we just don't see it that way, right? So, so let me ask you a question. By the way, some of you are just going, so am I young? Am I old? So here's the deal. If you're here in the room, you'll notice on the far side of the set, tucked up in the back there, there's a picture of Arthur Fonzarelli. If you know who the Fonz is, you're old. <laughs> if you don't know who he is, you're young. That's how it works, okay? Josh, let me come to you. What are some ways that we can make space at the table for the younger generation. How do we do that intentionally? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of things I feel like I can say about like creative ways that we can invite them to the table, but I feel like it actually starts with us. <laughs> I think it actually starts with us sitting at the table and kind of going like, um, I think modeling what it actually looks like to be a part of the church and what it looks like to actually follow Jesus. Because I think that 
what I see is similar to what Katie was saying, is a desire to be like, I want apologies, I want to figure what out this, what this is like, but what I also see is a generation who isn't desiring to do the fake thing. Like, they actually want to follow Jesus for real, and they want to be a part of, like, a church who's going to embody what it looks like to follow Jesus for real. And so I think that if we want to make space at the table, it's like then we actually have to become the thing that they're actually seeking. Like, we have to become the church that actually Jesus talks about. We have to become the people who are united in love in that way. We have to become people uh, that actually make them seen, feel seen and included and seek them out. Like, otherwise, I think that, I, I've, I've thought about this recently, and I think that... Uh, there's a decent amount of young people that I know who have left the church, and it wasn't because they didn't go to church, it's because they did. <laughs> and, and they were like, man, I didn't actually feel like I understood what that did for me, or, or I understood necessarily how that impacted me or changed me. And I think that what young people really want is the actual, authentic, real church to be a part of. And that encourages me a lot, but it also means that we got to, like, do that. There's yeah. a lot of uh, invitation there. I think it's a big piece too as well. We talked last week about the power of conversation versus declaration and asking great questions. I mean, I, I, I was a youth pastor for more than 10 years. And what I knew is even when I was a youth pastor, the cost of following Jesus for high school kids and middle school kids was high. They paid a price for following Jesus. The price has gone up. It, it's more and more challenging in that. So Jake, when we were interviewing you as our, as our young adult pastor, you said something that just... Well, it was the moment when I went, I want to work with this guy. Like, I want to work with this guy. And one of the statements that you made was, what if the older generation could bless the younger generation more than they criticize it? And I sat back in my chair and went, I've never really thought about it that way. Can you unpack that for us just a little bit? What, is, what does that mean? Yeah. So first off, I'm a millennial. So... I know what it's like to um, hear awful things spoken about me a lot. Um, I'm lazy, I am ignorant, I don't know how to work hard, so on and so forth. I don't know how to show up. Um, and the, the younger generation isn't the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. Mm -hmm. And if they're not here, or if they don't feel comfortable being here, then we aren't the full expression of Christ today. And. I think that our words carry life or death. And I think if we will bless the next generation, we will bless a thousand generations. Like, like we're going to set them up. Like, my ceiling is going to be where they launch from if I will bless them. And it's going to change them. And it's going to change the way that they interact with the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. But I have to be willing to humble myself and learn something new from them and bless them instead of the, the, we can say it's criticism, but if I'm not blessing them, I'm probably cursing them. Um, so I'm going to speak life or I'm going to speak death. Absolutely. That, yeah, so good. Earlier this morning, we were having a nice light conversation about Ezekiel 47. That's what we talk about when we're backstage. And Jake, I want you to unpack that, and then I'm going to come to Katie and Josh for just a moment. You talked about the guy on the side of the river, ankles, knees, waist, neck. Yeah. Uh, can you unpack that, and then we're going to talk about what does it mean to be, to be over your head in love with Jesus? What does that look like? Yeah. 
Um, so Ezekiel 47, there's, a, there's water trickling out of the temple and an angel um, leading Ezekiel around looking at it. And basically he gets into his ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then it's a river that he can't swim through. Um, and I've really been feeling like the Lord's just inviting me for about two years now into the depths of, of his presence, that river. Um, and the thing about the river that's important is everywhere the river flows, things come alive. And if you look at the map from Jerusalem where the river flows east, it flows into the Dead Sea. Everything it touches, everywhere it flows, life. Life is born. And so it's like, with young adults, I want to pursue the presence of God. That's what I want to do. Like, I think a moment in his presence will, will have a generational impact of things that I can't teach. Like, I'm not clever enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not a good enough speaker. Like, but a moment in God's presence changes everything. And I want to be in over my head and let him reveal himself to people. That's amazing. Katie, what does it mean for you to be over your head in love with Jesus? Um, I think about things very practically most of the time, I'll say. Um, and when I think about that question, it makes me, th like, take a step and be like, okay, what, what am I doing? What am I actively doing so that people can see that? And I think that that requires sacrifice. I think it is a lot easier for us to take a step back and let other people do things for us or be Jesus for us in these communities. But when we take a step towards students or towards young adults and we're showing them, actively showing them what a community looks like that follows Jesus, then I feel like we are then blessed by him. Like we are then filled because we are sacrificing for him. We are taking time out of our day to show young adults and students what it looks like to follow Jesus. Yeah, awesome. Josh, same question. What does it mean to you to be over your head following Jesus? Yeah, I, th I think I'd say something similar to what Jake was talking about in the sense of, uh, I feel like even this last year for me, I've been following Jesus for about 14, 15 years, and I feel like I'm just now beginning to understand what it means to love him. Like, not, not just, not, not yes, obey him, yes, follow the rules, yes, do the church activities, but like, how do I actually love the presence of God, experience him, know him, and then follow him? So I feel like, to me, uh, it starts with just like, do I actually want to just be, like see him? Do I want to be in his presence? Do I want to seek his face? Do I want to spend time with him? And, and in addition to that, like, do I want to, do I actually trust in what he says is, like, do I trust that he's good? Do I trust that he wants the best for me? Do I want to, you know, obey him with my whole life? I think that there's a few things in there that, uh, when I think of what it means to be over the top in love with Jesus, uh, it's, I think it's presence, and I think it's also a level of obedience and commitment to him, uh, and just, you know, doing what he, what he says. Yeah. I got to watch some highlights from Go Camp. And I'm watching middle school and high school kids in the word, loving each other, walking through hard stuff, praying with their leaders, being ministered to the worship was just incredible. And I want to say thank you for being that door to open the door between generations. I don't know if you know this, but a part of our vision at Christ the King is to be an intentional intergenerational church. 75-year-old, I want you to talk to a 15-year-old kid sometime. You have a lot to learn from them. 
They have some things to learn from you, but you have a lot to learn from them and the passion that they bring to school every single day. And these are the stewards, the guardians of that. And I'm so honored to be able to share a stage, time with them today. And because we're going to be doing communion, it just made sense that, um, that we'd have an opportunity to do this. So Josh, as you take a piece of bread, and Katie, you as well, and Josh, you too. Lord, um, thank you for a moment like this between generations. What a privilege to share your broken body with Jake and Katie and Josh today. Lord, as they take the bread, would they be reminded again of how worthy they are because you are worthy. Sharing this with them is a dream come true. And I thank you for your broken body and all that it means for them. In Jesus' name, brother and sister, would you take this bread as a reminder of how much you are loved by him? And as you take the new covenant, the cup of the new covenant in his blood, poured out and spilled just for the three of you, May you take it knowing that an entire church loves the table that you're setting. Would you receive it today as a gift from Jesus and from his church? Awesome. Thanks for sharing a table with me. I look forward to many years of doing this together. And God bless you guys. Can we say thank you to our team as they go? Awesome. Now it's your turn. We've been talking for the last number of weeks about the table as a place of blessing and brokenness, connection and giving. And today we're going to come to the table together. I love that when Jesus had to deliver the theological foundation for all of our faith, the new covenant that came through his broken body and his spilled blood, I loved that he didn't ask them to go to a conference. I love that he didn't have a seminar. I love that Jesus said, I want you to come and have a meal with me. Just come and have dinner. It's going to be amazing, guys. Just come and eat with me. It's going to be fantastic. The Bible says, for I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. You'll notice that it says what I passed on to you in the expectation that you will pass it on to someone else. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can we back up for just a second? Jesus said, I want you to pass it on. I'm, I'm never going to get away from this. Uh, I, I haven't been a youth pastor in more than 20 years, but I will never stop being a youth pastor because I love middle school and high school kids. And I need some of you in the room, don't take this wrong. Actually, I want you to take it wrong. I need you to get over yourselves and realize that what Jake says is true. They are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. Amen. They are. So pass it on to you. And I want you to think about something else. On the night he was betrayed, we hold the keys as to whether or not we're going to betray the next generation. 
Are we going to betray them with, with, with spiritual bumper stickers? Are we going to put band-aids on bullet holes? Or are we actually going to say, we stand with you, knowing that Jesus is the only answer for every generation? He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this drink, or eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what we're doing today. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. As we examine ourselves today, it is about bringing unconfessed sin to Jesus. It's also about bringing judgment against the next generation to Jesus. And saying, I don't want to be a judge, I want to be a door. We set the table for you. The disciples have prepared an upper room for the Passover. Jesus has thrown a whole dinner party upside down because he washed the feet of his disciples. And as scripture says, he's shown them the full extent of his love by serving them. And they're all at the table. Judas with his plan of betrayal. Thomas with his questions. Peter with his opinions. John with his weariness. Literally sagging, leaning up against Jesus. And they're all together. It's all there. They're connecting with Jesus and each other. The brokenness in the room is not just the broken bread, but the brokenness of denial and betrayal that's about to happen. There's a blessing in the form of Jesus telling each one of them, I'm going to create a new way of salvation. It'll be the final sacrifice. No more blood. No more blood. And then the host gives himself fully and completely. Years ago, we did something called the Shadow of the Cross, and Mike Kemp built a, a communion table in the shape of a cross. It was right up here in the middle of the stage, and people would come up, and, and they would be served at a table in the shape of a cross. And I would watch from the wings, and I saw people coming, seeking connection with Jesus, some seeking blessing in the form of forgiveness, some coming and asking God to give mercy, some came broken, some came supposedly whole. And here's what was amazing. Jesus met every single one of them at the table. You know how they all... Arrived there, somebody invited them. And strategically as a church, we need to reinvigorate a muscle that disappeared about five or six years ago because of this thing that happened in our world called the pandemic. We need to reinvigorate a muscle of inviting. Taking a risk. Not worrying about whether somebody says no, that's not... You're part of the equation. Our part of the equation is to say, come to the table. Got a spot for you. So with all of that in the back of your mind, I want to invite you to come to a table today. This is going to be beautiful, organized chaos over the next couple of moments. We're probably going to trickle a little over the 10, 30 mark. I know, what a tragedy to have to spend an extra few minutes with Jesus. <laughs> But in a few moments, the ushers, who are actually part of the worship team, some of the leadership in the church, they're going to come, and you'll notice in front of each one of your sections, there is a communion table with communion elements. 
And in a moment, an usher is going to come, they're going to dismiss you, and you're going to exit to your right. No matter where you're sitting in the row, you're going to exit to your right. If you go to the left, this will go terribly wrong. You're going to exit to your... Thank you. You're going to come down the side of your row. You're going to come to the table in front of your section. A person is going to stand in front of you and say, the body and blood of Christ for you. You're going to take the elements. You're going to circle back up the opposite side that you came down and go back to the row where you were sitting. And we're all going to hold the elements together and we will take them together in just a few moments. My dad used to wake up in the morning for church and I'd hear him singing. One of the songs I heard was the cross upon which Jesus died is a shelter in which we can hide. And its grace is so free, it's sufficient for me and deep as its fountain, as wide as the sea. There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. Some of you are disqualifying yourself. Oh, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. Jesus already knows. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just and will and forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's not a promise I made. It's a promise Jesus made. Come to the table. Meet the host. We'll take communion together. So I'm going to ask all those who are serving communion to come forward at this time. Those of you who are dismissing rows, if you could come forward at this time. Eve is going to come and she's going to sing a song she did a couple of weeks ago that left a mark on many people's hearts and souls. And as she sings, I'm going to invite you in the row, to stand one at a time, exit to your right, walk in a great big circle, come and get the, the elements, and then we'll take communion together. Let's worship. If you're in the very front row or close to it, if you could stand right now and come this direction, thank you. The Bible says we're supposed to remember. We remember the death of Jesus, but while you're remembering the death of Jesus, don't forget his life. When was the last time you thought about Jesus being four years old? Tripping on a rock and skinning his knee and running to his mom. Knowing that he had the power to heal himself instantly, but fully embracing humanity so that when you skinned your knee, he'd be able to say, I understand. Don't forget the whole life that he lived. We remember his death. It was brutal. It was difficult. But don't forget the whole life that took him to that moment. When you think of the sacrifices of the Old Testament, don't ever forget, we never have to spill blood again because Jesus said, enough. Enough. His was enough. My brothers and my sisters, as we gather at the communion table today, the Bible says on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had broke it, 
He said, this is my body which is broken for you. And every time you take it, remember me. Let's take the bread together with hearts of gratitude and thanksgiving. The Bible says after supper, he took the cup. And when he had blessed it, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The old covenant's gone. There's a new way. No more sacrifice. No more blood. Just relationship. As you take this cup today, Remember all that he did and all that he lived. Let's take the cup together. We remember the life that Jesus lived, the sacrifice that he made, and we celebrate the life that he made possible for us. Church looked a little different. Grant didn't do his like 30-minute monologue. Instead, we shared a table with a younger generation. What an honor and a privilege. We worshiped Jesus in fullness and truth. We read the scriptures. We did what Jesus told us to do. I don't know about you, but this felt like church to me. The Apostle Paul asked a question, what then shall we say in response to these kinds of things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. I love that Paul puts that word in there. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. For I am convinced neither death nor life, angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all. All of creation will be able to separate the children of God from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We did not create a table this morning. Jesus created a table, invited us to it, and you accepted his invitation. And now the charge and the mission is clear. Would you invite someone else to come to the table with you? But Grant, they may say no. It doesn't matter. But I may not have answers for them. It's okay. The Holy Spirit has all the answers that you need. 
but it just might feel awkward. Get over it. Last week, my mom and dad got to go and, and visit with a friend of mine. David Boys is his name. David and Muriel were, were college students when I first met them. I was a punk, hypocritical church kid. And the thing that changed the direction of my life was David and Muriel invited me into their life. They made a place for me at their table. They would feed me spaghetti. We would watch Monday Night Football, which as Canadians is a really big deal, just so I'm saying. <laughs> and then David and Muriel invited me to start singing with them. They sang beautifully. David was a missionary kid from Nigeria. Muriel had deep roots in Saskatchewan, and, and they just kept inviting me to the table, just, giving, just keep showing up, just keep showing up, just keep showing up. And I, I was struggling spiritually. I didn't know where to go, what to do, and they just kept saying, Grant, just keep showing up, just keep showing up. And mom and dad got to go and visit with David and Muriel, and I saw a picture of them, and I just thought, I don't know where I would be if somebody hadn't made space for me to ask hard questions, to talk about life, we can all be that for somebody if we will simply say yes. Church, would you stand with me as we pray today? Father God, I'm so grateful for my brothers and my sisters in this room. It has been such an honor to share the table with them today. Lord, would you give us eyes to see differently the generation that's right here with us right now. May we empower love and encourage them to follow Jesus too. Lord God, thank you for this morning. We give you great praise as our host at the table. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now here we have an opportunity for you. Right across the hallway in the meeting place, we have some food and an opportunity to connect. Here's what I know. Some of you have been sitting down the row from people for more than a decade and you've never introduced yourself. You have no idea what their name is. Some of you have been looking across the, the rows and you're seeing somebody who's like 14, 16, 18 years old and like, I would never talk to them. What if you did? So we created a room in the meeting place. There's going to be food. People are going to be walking around. It's an opportunity to connect. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to practice having a conversation with each other so that you can go out and do it in the real world starting Monday morning. Because if you can't do it in the family, I have no idea how you're going to do it outside of the family. So we're going to give you a chance to practice. Nobody's going to be weird. Nobody's going to be strange or creepy. Because if you are, I'll find you. Um, <laughs> there's conversational prompts up on the screens. So you can actually walk in and go, I don't know. But what if you talk to somebody you didn't drive to church with this morning? What if... What if you met a brother or sister in Christ today? And they got to encourage you and you got to encourage them. So we're going to practice everything we've been preaching for the last number of weeks. Please be praying for those of us that are heading to Israel. We're flying up tomorrow. I was struck by the fact I'm going to be having, um, I'm going to wash somebody's feet in the upper room just this coming week. It's going to be beautiful. But be praying for us. We'd appreciate it. We'll see you in the meeting place. God bless you. Have a great week.